Okay, we are continuing our series called The Battle for Our Emotions. And today, we're going to talk about loneliness. Loneliness is an interesting emotion because it touches a lot of different things. Um, some of them we've already talked about. Anger, um, low self-esteem, depression. A lot of these things can be, loneliness can be a part of this or part of the cause. Now, before we read Numbers 11, let me give you a basic definition of what we mean when we say loneliness. What, what are we talking about? Okay? Here, here's a basic definition. By the way, you won't find it in Webster's. As far as I know, it's never been written anywhere. This is from Bill Crockett's definition of terms. Okay? Here it is. Loneliness is the concept in my mind that I am by myself. It is the concept in my mind. Doesn't mean it's reality, but it is a concept that is in my mind. I think about it, that I am by myself. By myself doesn't mean I am by myself physically. You can be sitting in this room right now and be lonely. But you're surrounded by about 40 other people. But you're lonely. The concept in your mind is that you are by yourself. You don't know anybody. You've sat here all by yourself. For two or three weeks, you hadn't met anybody. You feel lonely. You feel all by yourself. Okay, So, loneliness is not, I'm in a room all by myself with no human beings within 100 miles of me. That's not loneliness. That is a situation that can create loneliness. That's not loneliness. Loneliness is a concept in my mind that I am all by myself. And you're going to see that in just a second as we read. The story of Moses, okay? So look at Numbers chapter 11, verse number 10. The Bible says, Moses heard the people of every family wailing each at the entrance of his tent. That's an interesting concept. Can you imagine if everybody in your neighborhood came out on their front porch and all started wailing, whatever that is, crying, screaming, hollering, all at the same time? Can you imagine if every family in the city of Columbia did that all at the same time? So that's what's happening here with Moses. Alright, next phrase. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. Well, I can imagine if you're a spiritual leader and all your people are wailing and God's angry, you would have pretty good reason to be troubled. I mean, so, so we got a mess here. I mean, something's going on here that ain't right. But this is not fun to be in a situation like this. Let's read the next phrase. Verse 11. He, Moses, asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? Isn't it interesting how we always blame God for our problems? Now, whenever we have problems, there's two main reasons why they come. Number one, I did something to cause it. Or number two, God allowed it because he's got something he's trying to teach me. In either case, there is a solution and the problem can be solved. So it's not unsolvable, but but those are the two main reasons why they happen. So Moses says... um, God, why did you do this to me? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. So now we know what they were saying at the tent door. When he said they're all wailing, now we know what they were saying. We want meat. We want meat. We want meat. Can you imagine? We're sick of this manna. 
I mean, this honeydew bread from heaven. Doesn't get any better than that. We're tired of carbs. We want protein. Give us meat. They're complaining. So, Moses says this in verse 14. Listen to it. I cannot carry all these people, here it is, by myself. He's got this concept in his mind. He is by himself. He's alone. He goes on to say, If this is how you're going to treat me, put me to death right now. If I've found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. He was so lonely, he was suicidal. He wanted to die. I don't want my life to go on like this. Let me ask you a question. Is God capable of taking life? Not only is He capable, He's the only one that does it. He gives it and He takes it. That's it. He's the only one. If you have a loved one or a friend who is tragically killed in an accident, God did that. Because only God can give and take life. But if God does it, it's good and it's proper and there is a really, really, really good reason for that. We may not understand it, but God has a reason. And it is ultimately the best. So here, Moses is saying, I want to die. God is capable of doing that. By the way, here's another example of why we're awfully glad that God does what's best and not give us everything we ask for. And God, if God was the kind of God that just gave us everything we asked for, Moses would have ended right there. We wouldn't have any more verses about Moses. He'd be gone. All right? Look at verse number 16. God answers. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. Moses, you're not by yourself. I'm going to show you that. By the way, notice something about how God dealt with Moses. He didn't address all the misconceptions and the accusations. God doesn't do that because He doesn't need to. The book of Proverbs says you don't answer a fool according to their folly. If what they're saying is foolish, you don't answer those because it's foolish. Moses said, why did you do this to me? Why are you making me do this? Those were all foolish statements made in anger and none of them even made sense. God wasn't making him do this. God, why do you make me carry all these people like an infant? Well, God never told Moses to do that. He said he'd be their leader. But Moses is angry, just like we get. And we say things in frustration that helps us feel better, but it expresses how we feel. Well, that's how Moses was doing. And, and God was basically saying, that's okay. But I'm not going to address those because none of those are the issue. So Moses, here's what we're going to do. You bring these people to me. I'm going to help you so that you know you're not by yourself. Then verse 17. I will come down and speak with you there. I will take the spirit that's on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people. Here it is. So that you will not have to carry it alone. Moses, you are not alone. And I'm going to fix that lonely feeling you have that you're by yourself. I'm going to fix that for you. Okay? Now, what we want to do today is let's look at some of the causes, possible causes for loneliness. There's four of them. Number one, spiritual causes. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that the God of this world, Satan, blinds the minds of those that do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of Christ should shine to them. Here's the deal. 
the main fix for loneliness is a relationship with God. Because when I have that relationship, I realize I'm never alone. Even if I am physically by myself, I am never alone if I know He is there with me. So this relationship becomes very important. We'll talk more about it in just a second. Satan doesn't want us to have that relationship. So he does everything he can to keep us from having that relationship. He discourages us by the hypocritical lives of Christians. By the way, if by hypocrite you mean that's a person who's supposed to be perfect and they're not perfect, that's not being a hypocrite. That's being human. And we're all that, aren't we? We're never going to be perfect. And if if you're looking at me to figure out whether or not you ought to be a Christian, don't use me as an example because I'm not a very good one. I'm a human. I lose my temper. I get mad. I say things I shouldn't. Pray that it's never to you because it ain't fun. Ask my family. I'm a human being. I get discouraged. I mean, that's just part of life. By hypocrite, if you mean I'm trying to make you think I don't ever make mistakes, that's a hypocrite. So that's why you'll always hear me say, I'm not a real good example. I can teach all of us what God says. He's the example. I'm not a real good one. So don't look at me and say, I want to be like him. No, you don't. There may be small aspects of my life that may help you, but you don't want to be just like me. Okay? So, God uses that. Here, let me tell you the main thing that Satan does to keep people from, from beginning this relationship. He tries to keep them from hearing the Bible. It's the Word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the Word of God that converts the soul. It's not a preacher's ability to sell it. It's the Scripture. So that's why any time you or I are trying to get our friends to a venue where they can hear the Bible, whether it's online, whether it's in a class, whether it's in a Bible study, whether it's at a conference, whether it's like those of you that went with us Friday night to Winter Jam, any venue where Christ is going to be presented, Satan don't want people at those. So that's why those are some of the most difficult venues to get to or to get your friends to. Because of what's going to happen there. Okay, so this is probably the main issue we deal with when we deal with loneliness. Okay, there are a few others. Let me give you a couple of them. Social causes, childhood, things you may have gone through growing up or people have gone through. If you grew up as an only child and you were used to getting everything you wanted, um, I know a lot of only children that that wasn't the case. Uh, they had really good parents and they basically beat the snot out of them just like my parents beat out of me. Just not because they were the only child, but they wanted their kids to grow up right. So just because you're an only child doesn't mean that. But you have, in this particular instance, child abuse cases a lot of times. This is the issue that creates loneliness. You find children that grew up in a, in a home like that. Okay? Social skills. I was a country boy. I grew up the oldest of six boys in Brentwood, Tennessee. Now, if you think of Brentwood, Tennessee right now, you think, well, Bill must have been a rich kid. No, I wasn't. When I lived there 40-something years ago, there wasn't no money there. Now, if you go to Brentwood, Tennessee today, country music stars, professional athletes, uh, all kinds of rich people live there. Our little farm is totally out of place in that big old city now. I had minimal social skills, to say the least. Remember when Denise and I first got married? The first time we sat down as a family and I ever burped at the table. I thought she was going to take my head off. And other 
unique noises that I make at the table. I, I, I'm, living, I'm a country boy. I was the oldest of six boys, grew up on a farm, and we had no sisters. Hey, man, I got a bellyache. I got to get rid of it. I mean, that's what you do in the country. So, and maybe that's not your challenge. By the way, uh, I'm almost 52 years old. I still have those same challenges, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Uh, shyness. I mean, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with these things. These aren't sins. These are just situations of life sometimes. And, and maybe you're shy. And it's hard for you to meet people. You walk into a group like this, it's hard for you to just go up and make a friend because that's just not you. Well, that, that's okay. And you're going to see in just a minute, as God's people, that's why it's our responsibility to help people like that with that, to make sure that they know we love them. And it's safe here. You, you don't have to worry. We love you. We want you here. We'll help you through that. Okay? Um, so social problems. Self-inflicted causes. Um, this may be the second most issue. Sin, obviously, creates a huge issue with loneliness because sin separates us from God. Um, selfishness. Most selfish people don't have a lot of friends because they're selfish. They, they don't want friends. They just want the stuff that their friends have got. Okay? Um, low self-esteem. We talked about that. I was invited to the party, but I'm not going to go because nobody wants me there. That's this concept in the mind that I'm by myself. Nobody wants me. Okay? Creates that feeling of loneliness. Past relationships. Maybe you've been in relationships that have just, and you struggle. They, they haven't worked out. And so you feel like I'm never going to be able to have a successful relationship. I'm going to be lonely the rest of my life. And then this last one, fear. Now, I want to share this concept with you. This came from Gary Collins' book, uh, Christian Counseling. In this book, he mentions that there is this concept where there are those who are afraid of being hurt. And so, to protect themselves from being hurt, they build walls in their life towards other people. If a person hurts them, they build a wall. They basically shut that person out of their life. After a while, we build these walls around our life, shutting everybody and everything out that we think could hurt us. The problem is, according to Gary Collins, and he's right, we're not building a wall to protect us from them. We're, we're building a wall that becomes a prison in which we are entrapped. Because after a while, there's nobody inside that wall but us. We've locked everybody else out. It's self-inflicted. It didn't have to be that way. Here's the deal. We need to build bridges instead of walls. Fix those relationships. Confront those things. In love, work things out. Don't burn bridges and build walls. Again, I'm almost 52 years old, and I will testify burning bridges don't work. It doesn't work. Because there's going to come a time in your life, there is going to be a crack in that wall, and you're going to have to confront that person. I'll tell you one of the most common issues is when you shut out family members and somebody dies like your mother, and you all show up at the funeral, and the most comfortable person there is your mother. Because everybody else is ready to chop each other's head off. 
you don't want to live life like that because that kind of life can get really, really lonely. Okay? But there's an answer. There's a way to fix that. Okay? And then the last one, situational causes. This is very common. Divorce. I can tell you firsthand, that's huge. That creates, that one right there stuck a gun in my mouth because of loneliness. And those of you that have been a part of families that have been through that, you know nobody wants to go through that. Nobody. That's why you need to come to the Let's Talk Marriage Conference. Because you sleep in separate rooms, but don't do that. Because you, you will hate yourself for doing that the rest of your life. I battle with issues that I wish every day we didn't have to battle with. So you, you don't want to do that. Death. We all know what that's like. My mom and dad died when I was in my early 40s. I can't pick up a phone and call my dad and say, what do I do? I can't call my mom and say, Mom, I'm, I'm hurting. Make me feel better. And she always did. You don't know how many times in my life I'm going through something difficult and the thought comes to my mind, I'll call Mom. I can't. She ain't here. So I've I got to figure out some other way to fill that void. Okay? Life change. Happens to everybody, doesn't it? Sometimes expected, sometimes unexpected. College. For those of you that braved the world and went away to college instead of living in your room going to college here in town. But that's fine too. Fine too. Um, even if you stayed at home. You remember that first freshman class you sat in with 300 people in it? And you walked into this gigantic lecture hall and you sat down and you didn't know anybody and you were frantically looking for that person from your high school that said they were going and had the same class. And you're looking for them everywhere and they slept in that day. And you are all by yourself. Okay? Your first job. You walk in. You get this first job. You're, uh, you're on the job. Everybody there seems like been there 30 years. They know everything. You don't know nothing or anybody. Um, you get transferred. You get married. A lot of marriages struggle because one or the other gets lonely and runs home to mom and dad. That ain't how marriage is supposed to be. But it's real. And there is a lonely factor that can be created and it takes work. All right, now, we're going to hurry. How do we overcome this? It's real simple. You've got to get connected. If you don't want to be by yourself, then we've got to connect to somebody. All right? Let me give you these three things real quick. Number one, we connect to God personally. If you're connected in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you will never be alone. You will never be by yourself. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, 2 Corinthians 5, 11-21. Wish we had time to read it, but we don't. This is the passage that talks about the fact that God loves us and wants to reconcile us to Himself. Somebody says, I can't have a relationship with God because you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've, sins I've committed. God can't love me. God won't forgive me. Yes, He will. If you have a friend like that or if you are like that, you need to read 2 Corinthians 5, 11-21, where the Bible tells us that God made His Son Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin so we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. He wants to have a relationship with us. How do I do it? Number one, be reconciled to God through salvation. John 3.16 tells us that God gave His only Son so if we believe in Him, we would have eternal life and have salvation. You can have salvation. Number two, we've got to build a relationship through fellowship. Just getting saved doesn't do it. Just getting that fire insurance policy and then living life any way we want to, that doesn't work. 
You've got to build a relationship. John 15, verses 1 through 5. This is the passage that talks about He's the vine, we're the branches. We have to abide in Him. We have to stay connected to the, to the vine. That's that relationship. Reading your Bible every day. Not once a week, every day. Praying. Not only every day, many times all day long. He's your friend. Talk to Him. In John 15, verses 13 through 15, Jesus said, you're not my slaves, you're my friends. We are friends. Talk to me. Let me fellowship with you. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says we can have fellowship with God. That's communication. That's partnership. He wants to be my partner. And verse 4, 1 John 1 says that God wrote that so we would have joy in our life. Okay? So the first thing we've got to do is connect to God personally. Number two, this is what involves us. We've got to connect to God's people. Proverbs 27.10. You know what that says? Better a neighbor that is near than a brother who's far off. I've got four brothers. They all live in Nashville, Tennessee. If I have problems this afternoon, my wife is not going to call one of my brothers. She's going to call one of you. Because you're here. You can help. They can't. They're eight hours away by car. That's what this is all about. We are a family. Riverland Hills Young Professionals, we are a family. We cannot do life alone. We need each other. That's why we've got to love each other. No matter what, we've got to take care of each other, which is why we started our care groups last week. Great job, by the way, care leaders. Great job. Okay? How do we connect with God's people? Number one, through church. We talked about this. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible teaches in Hebrews 10 the main reason we come to church is not to study the Bible. You can do that anywhere. It's not to worship God. We can do that anywhere. The main reason we come to church is to challenge, motivate, and encourage each other to live for God and do right. Number two, cultivate proper relationships. Romans 12, verses 9 through 21 teaches us how to treat other people. This is where we tear down the walls and build bridges. If we don't treat people like this, then we build walls. And that creates loneliness. Number three, we build community. We become a part of the team. What did God tell Moses he was going to do? You're not by yourself. you got a team around you. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to talk about it in just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the body of Christ. The body's not one member. It's many. We need that community. So God's people... We need to connect. We need each other. If you don't remember another thing we've talked about today about how to overcome loneliness, the way we help other people overcome loneliness is we connect with them. We don't wait for them to come to us. We go get them and make sure they don't feel lonely. And then finally, connect to God's plan. Romans 12, 2 says that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. Someone has said, the greatest way for me to stop focusing on my own problems is to start focusing on how to help somebody else with theirs. Stop focusing on my own problems and start focusing on how to help somebody else with theirs. That's what being a Christian is all about. And how do we do that? Well, first of all, by growing spiritually ourselves, personal growth. In John 15, verse 4, the Bible says that as we remain in the vine, we grow and God prunes us. John 15.5 says, without Him we can do nothing. Then, production in the body. This is our 1 Corinthians 12 passage. The body, the Bible says, is not one member, it's many. 
And we've all been put in that body by God strategically to perform whatever ministry we can with the gifts we've been given. Why? For the betterment of the whole body. You know what? If you stop and think about this, if Irmo and the surrounding area knew there was a young adult ministry where they could come and immediately be accepted, immediately be loved, immediately feel at home and a part of the team. And you can get answers and help with your problems. Like Moses. Do you feel like you're by yourself? Come to our ministry and we will be the 70 that God brought to Moses to help him with his problems. That's who we've got to be. If we want to help and reach our community, that's who we've got to be. We're the 70 that come alongside the young adults in our community to help bear the load with them so they realize you don't have to do this alone. So, next week, anxiety. For those of you that maybe are wondering, that's worrying. And we all do it. And I am the biggest culprit of that. This, of all of them, is the one I battle the most. So next week, you'll find out all the things I'm supposed to do, but don't do real good sometimes. Okay? All right. Thank you, Lord, for letting us study your word. Lord, help us not only to overcome loneliness in our own life, but please use us as a tool to help lonely people around us to realize they're not alone. They don't have to do this by themselves. We will come alongside and do it with them. Father, bless our small group time now in Jesus' name. Amen.